Hello and welcome back to another episode of Preview Review, the movie trailer podcast hosted by me, Tyler Ellison, and my friend here, Ryan Toon. Hello, that's me, the friend, here. You are here, and you're my friend. I've, and I checked all the boxes. Ho- and you're also hosting this podcast. And my name's also Ryan Toon. It's like it was meant to be. I mean, we planned it, so I'm glad <laughs> it worked out the way it did. If this is your first first time tuning into our podcast... Uh, welcome. And also, why are you here? No, we're appreciative. We're not trying to shame them. I'm appreciative, but also it's like, it feels like a weird point in time for this to be the first. Well, maybe they're like somebody just like going into the podcast app searching. I guess I've started a podcast on like the most recent episode before. So maybe that's what they're finding. If so, welcome. Mm -hmm. Also, if you've listened to every episode, also welcome. And if you've only listened to like four or five episodes and this is episode six or seven. Welcome back. Everywhere in between. Everywhere in between. Uh, if you don't know, though, what this podcast is, is Ryan and I get together. Uh, we sit in my living room. The and, studio. Yeah. And uh, we turn the microphone on and I open the whatever recording software on my laptop. Uh, we have very fancy recording equipment. And then we talk about movies that are coming out soon for about an hour. Um, and it's a fun time. We also will sometimes talk about movies that we talked about before on the podcast, and Ryan will let us know what he thought about them. But not yet. But we're not at that point yet. But mostly we're going to talk about movies that are still ha- yet to come out, um, but they have previews that are out. And thus, we will be discussing their previews and reviewing them. Yes. Well, this is the review of the previews. Yes. Old-timey review. Yes. Yes, that's where the name comes from. I feel from. like we should have... I love our theme song. Also, I feel like we haven't like given him credit in a long time. Oh, sure. We shout out Matt Lockshaw for making our theme song. Yeah, they uh, make a lot of good music. Uh, if you're into hyperpomp... Or hyperpop. Hyperpunk. Yeah, hyperpop. <laughs> Lockshawty. Uh, you can find uh, like Matt on... All the streaming services and his band, DSG. Yes, that's correct. There you go. Uh, we can also shout out the person who made our artwork. We haven't done that in like a long time. Oh right? yeah, shout out Hannah. Hannah Olson, thank you very much. Um, but we what I was going to say was like, with the name of Preview Review, like, I feel like it'd be funny if we had like a more like ragtimey like oh. uh, theme song. So if anybody wants to make a new, like, it would never replace the, the specialty that we have. But if anyone wanted to like, make us a special edition theme song we'd be open to it i mean one of our guests is uh an aspiring dj so maybe they can make exactly a it'd be fun fan submitted theme song yeah and then depending on how it sounds the vibe we can like theme a whole episode to it if it's old timey we can do like <laughs> we talk only like silent movies we talk like we're old radio announcers see here yeah see <laughs> the thing about this people is I could not do that for, <laughs> for an, an hour. hour. No way. No one would listen. That's no garbage. Way. No way. It's a ten minute episode. It's just a little it's like a Ooh, little sprinkling. We'll make a YouTube holiday short. special. <laughs> Welcome to preview review on TikTok. Speaking of holiday specials, this kind of is like our holiday episode, even though we will have an episode that comes out next month in December. Um today's lineup really has the only Christmas movie that we're talking about of the season. So this is well, kind of there's like not a lot coming out. I mean like they're going to Netflix or something. Yeah, like... there's like Netflix ones and stuff like that. But for the most part, yeah. And I'm also surprised by how early they're coming out now. Well like we're we're only like halfway through November and there's already like a ton of new Christmas movies that are like going to streaming and stuff like that. But that's just like the direct to video market. I think they yeah, always yeah, come yeah. out early. I feel like the theatrical ones come out like around Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving time or a little yeah. later. Like, that's when, like, the Santa Claus movies came out. And yeah, like that's that. true. Or, um, 
like even like the Halloween movies don't come out on Halloween. They come yeah, out, they like, come out like early October because it's like September. about the season. Yeah, so that's why it's okay. Like by the time December rolls around, Christmas will pretty much come and gone. You know, November that's where we're hitting the sweet spot today. Mm-mm. But we also have to commemorate Thanksgiving, Tyler. Yes. There's lots of food um, films lots about, of movies eating about food today. and eating. That's correct. Yeah. So we're really we're really running the gamut of the whole holiday season. One of our movies even has a food in the title. Yes, that's true. That's true. It's a it's a vegetable. It is. Got to eat your vegetables. It is. You can't have any pudding if you don't eat your meat. Not, there's nothing about vegetables in that song. But okay. You know what I'm saying. But the movies that we will be discussing today start with an, a great movie about eating, I think. Well, I haven't seen the movie. Bones and all. You know, it's only about eating humans. We'll get there in a second. We also have The Menu, Glass Onion, there's A Knives Out Mystery. There's the vegetable. Mm. Mystery. Mystery vegetable. <laughs> Knife. And lastly, our Christmas movie, a delightful family film. Violent Night. I mean, there's a family in the film. Yes, and I think a family could go see this together. What was it like PG thirteen? I think it's rated R. Oh, is it R? I think oh, so. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't. I mean, the trailer was already pretty bloody. <laughs> the trailer's pretty bloody, but also the thing is, is like I love the trailers so much that I don't pay attention to what it says the movie's rated at the beginning or the end. I just am excited about the movie, you know. I, I get that, and it's like not a. Tra- oh, we'll talk about it when we get to the trailer. We're not there yet. We yeah, can't we're not there yet. Uh, we got to get no all the Thanksgiving season first. But before we embark on our holiday journey, Ryan, uh, it is now time for that recurring segment in which you talk about movies that we've previously pre-reviewed and let us know what you see and what you think. It's Ryan's review roundup. Ryan's review roundup. Howdy, y'all. Welcome to this corner of the podcast, which we like to call Ryan's Review Roundup. You heard Tyler announce it, you heard the theme song announce it, and now you've heard myself announce it. This is the part so of the now, podcast. So now we're approved to go. It's approved. <laughs> All three check marks. It's a very, like, there's a lot of red tape in this situation. Hey. It's a very corporate environment. We have to have all the, like, safety checks before yeah, we're checks approved. Checks and balances. Yep, absolutely. Yes. And, uh. It's a bicameral situation. Exactly, exactly. This is the part of the podcast where I talk about movies that we've previously preview reviewed, where we've talked about mm. the trailer, but now I've seen them and I can tell you about the actual movie. So first up, we got Halloween Ends. The... End of the Halloween franchise, question mark? Maybe. I mean, that's how they marketed it. This movie is nothing like how they marketed it, by the way. <laughs> it's, uh, the final confrontation between Michael and Laurie is maybe a third of this movie. The rest of the movie... Less than that. The rest of the movie is all about this new character uh, and his story. Corey. His name is Corey Cunningham, and I'm here for it. I'm a really big fan of this movie. I'm a staunch defender of this film. I get that it's not everybody's cup of tea, but if you're just going into it seeing, like, how does, like, Michael Myers affect this town after he's wrecked havoc? What is his legacy? I think this is going to be the film for you. If you're just like, I'm here for Michael and the kills that Michael does and the fight between Michael and Laurie, you're going to be, like, pretty disappointed. I mean, the fight's pretty good, but it's not the movie. It's just, like, added on at the end because that's what, you know, how the franchise needs to end. But if you're here for a new story about a man who's inspired by Michael Myers... <laughs> And how Michael Myers has affected the lives of the people around him. This is a good film, and I recommend it. Tyler, you also saw this film. What do you think? I did. I agree with what you're saying. I think that uh, Halloween Ends does a good job straddling the middle ground of, like, 
what they tried to do early on in the Halloween franchise, which was like make Halloween three as an anthology film and like tell a story about evil on Halloween that wasn't connected to Michael Myers. But then people saw that and they were like, okay, it's fine. But like, where's Michael Myers? And so this movie does a good job of like having Michael Myers play an important pivotal role and like obviously setting up the events that take place in this film also being a part of the movie though too, but then having an additional story of evil and uh, the impact that Michael Myers has had on Haddonfield um, that can exist kind of in its in its own like universe, if that makes sense. Like it's it's tied into the universe of Halloween, but it can also stand on its own. Like you could see the story of Corey Cunningham like existing with or without the existence of Michael Myers, if that makes sense. Yeah, and like as someone who's seen, you've seen. All of the Halloween movies, right? Yes. And I've only seen the new trilogy and the original film. So I think I had a leg up on all the people that actually saw all the films because I've only seen you Michael Myers. You were not Myers. as invested in seeing exactly. like the Michael Myers payoff. And I, I I enjoyed both things. Like I love Michael Myers. Like I think that's part of why Halloween twenty eighteen was so good. It was a great like reintroduction of Michael Myers as a character, like continuing the story from the first film. But also like I do want to see and I believe that these films can have a larger impact beyond just like Michael Myers walking around Haddonfield killing people for three movies. Because ultimately, like, it's going to be what I want to see, but it's not going to tell a story that's, like, groundbreaking or innovative. And I love that Halloween Ends felt like there was certainly horror aspects, but it felt almost more like a drama film mm -hmm. um, in a lot of ways. Like, looking at how these lives are, these people's lives are impacted by what Michael's done in the past and what, like, this fear of, like, Michael still potentially being out there like does to people um i like that it was a little more introspective and the relationship dynamics between the characters in the film were brought so much more to the forefront whereas like in these typical slasher movies where it focuses mostly on michael myers the other characters in the film can start to feel like very 2d like they only exist insofar as they are like to be scared and be killed by michael myers you know and i like that this is really expanding on the psychological character development of each of these people that are going through this like crazy horror show yeah and then like i take this as you will but like i came out of the film and i like didn't stop thinking about it i'm sad i don't have peacock because i kind of wanted to rewatch it like within the next week um and i didn't really feel that way about the other two in the current trilogy like when i first came out i was like oh that's a fun movie or in the case of halloween kills like oh i don't care for that movie mm -hmm. like um but this one, I was like, ooh, this is sitting with me. I kind of want to rewatch it just because, like, I want to be with Corey Cunningham on his motorcycle a little more. Um, so, yeah. Overall, we're fans. Uh, we're kind of, you know, the black sheep. But I Most do, people I don't. understand the division about it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I enjoy it. I thought it was good. It stuck, really stuck with me. But I understand why some people going into it might not be as big of a fan as they were of, like, the 2018 film. Or even... Halloween Kills, like, I feel like the people that st stood by Halloween Kills on the most part will, like, not like this movie. I'm probably, like, of the rare breed that likes the entirety of the mm. new trilogy. Built different, Tyler Ellison. <laughs> um, speaking of built different, the next movie is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. This film had to be built different so, because... So, different. Months, like, before the film was about to shoot... They lost their lead actor in Chadwick Boseman. Um, we've talked about this movie and the impact that Chadwick's life and death has had on the production of this film in the last episode. But we've seen the movie now, and somehow they did the impossible with threading the needle of like being a stunning tribute to Chadwick Boseman, with also being like a great story and also introducing new characters that like really stand out and have emotional impact. 
and doing it all like very well and becoming one of my favorite Marvel films out of the 30 film series or yeah 30 long 30 film long series that is the Marvel Cinematic Universe yeah. at this point um I thought this film was excellent I think there are some things you could cut to trim the runtime down a little bit because it is a long movie and it is slow. If you're going to these movies for like the big action fights, this is not the movie for that. There's maybe like two or three action scenes. They're really like cool and fun to watch, but that's not where the meat of this movie is. Um, so like maybe some subplots about minor characters don't need to be there, but overall I thought this was a very impressive like way to make a film that like somehow is a love letter to the fran like it feels natural that this is the sequel even though there's no way this could have been the natural way they wanted to like right. write the story yeah absolutely uh tyler you were also in the theater with me two uh, it's away. so good i loved it it's it has some of the best performances of the mcu it has some of the best direction of any movie in the mcu and i thought it was really really great and um just like it makes you emotional um in various ways like you, you know i cried i laughed um i was like very happy for some of the characters at certain moments um like it just it's like a true like truly artistic masterpiece i really thought it was phenomenal i'm excited where they left the characters of this film just i want to see what happens to them next i think they've gone through a really impressive arc in this movie especially like letitia wright who had to become like from the comic relief character in the first movie to the emotional, like, linchpin of this movie. What a tough burden to carry. Um, and way to go, yeah. you know, Sarah Haley Finn, who casts all the Marvel movies, to cast, like, an incredible cast for the first Get Black Panther. Get someone who right? can do both. Right? You get, like, oh, uh, I have my lead yeah. actor, but then, like, I have all these other great actors that are, like, basically the side cast, and now the side cast are the movie. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's not... There was no way that she could have known, like, I'm going to get Letitia Wright to play this character, and then she's going to have to, like, carry the franchise mm -hmm. in the next film. But even just having, like, these, like, astounding, like, talented black actors like Angela Bassett and Lupita Nyong'o and Winston Duke that were in the first movie in supporting Denai roles. And, like, great. ready to come in. Yes, Denai Guerrero is phenomenal, plays such a small role as just, like, one of the soldiers in the first movie. And, like, and then comes into... She's almost, like, the second lead in, like, the first comes two Comes in, into Black Panther Wakanda Forever and, like, leads the movie so well. Um, it's just... It is really, really great. I was also going to say that I think I agree that, like, some of the things could have been trimmed down. However, like, I didn't mind the long runtime because I just really wanted to get as much time, uh, like with the characters and invest I was invested in the story that they were telling. However, the only part where the runtime really impacted me was that by the end of the movie I really had to go pee and the third act takes place mostly in and around the ocean and that was a very challenging situation to, for me, but you know what? I held it together and and I pulled through. Nice. I'm I glad, made it to the bathroom. I'm glad you didn't pee your pants. Thank Tyler. you. Um but yeah, the interesting thing about this movie is like it doesn't feel like it's made for everybody, but it's going to make like so much money because everybody will love it. You know, um, on the other hand, this next movie feels like it was made for everybody and it'll make enough money to like be passable. This movie is Black Adam. Um, Tyler, you didn't see this one. No. But I did. Um, it is everything we thought it would be. Uh, it is a generic action superhero movie with The Rock. Um, he's doing some fun things where like he's definitely inspired by like Terminator 2 where like he's this cold like man out of time and there's like a little kid like there's literally a little kid who's like 
say an action catchphrase. Like in Terminator 2 where he's like, say hasta la vista, baby. But he's, in this one he's like, say the man in black sent you. <laughs> like, um, there's also some really weird needle drops. Um, unfortunately, like, this movie came out at the time it did because uh, there was like a Kanye needle drop like a third into the movie. And oh, I was geez. like, ooh, okay. Um, and they're in the Middle East. <laughs> so that, you know, brings up some interesting feelings. Um, but overall, this is a fun time at the movies. It's like not worth, I don't know if it's worth your money to go see it in the movies. It's definitely worth like a rental. Like if you just want to throw it on and like eat some popcorn and turn your brain off, you're going to have fun watching like the rock fly and like beat up people. Like that's all it is. That's all is trying to be. And I think it does a really good job with that. Mm -hmm. I think the supporting cast of the justice society are really fun to watch, especially uh Hawkman and Dr. Fate. Um, the other two like fall into like this more of like comedic, like uh, relief role where they're like, Oh, I'm a, like, this is my first time in the giant suit. Uh Oh. And I also think that girl is pretty <laughs> like, you know, you've seen it before. Like just me explaining to you, you're going to know what this movie is. And you're going to know if that's your cup of tea or not. Like, if you're feeling in the mood for it, throw it on. It's not, like, horrible, but it's not great. Um, you know, some might say I had a really weird feelings about that last film, Tyler. But nowhere as near as weird as the next film, Weird, the Al Jankovic story, streaming on the Roku channel. Um, the weird thing about this movie is... Uh, I have a Roku, but it's tiny and in my bedroom, and I wanted to watch this on the big screen in my living room, which is not a Roku TV. So I had to figure out how to cast from my laptop to the Roku, or to the TV in my living room, which made me feel like I was, like, back in the day trying to hook up, like, an HDMI cable to a laptop. I was like, what is this, 2011? Um, that was the real fun throwback. That sounds movie. really weird. It was. But the cool thing about that was I have ad blocker on my Google Chrome on my laptop. So it just skipped all the mid-break ads in the movie. Mm. I felt like I was watching it for real. Um, but then, like, it was also really bad at buffering. So I don't know, Roku. Figure out your web app. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, technical difficulties There's aside. Buffering in the streets of <laughs> Roku City. Uh, I think Daniel Radcliffe does a really good job with this performance. I, everyone in this movie knows exactly what it is. They're going for over-the-top silliness and goofiness. Um... It's like Hot Rod or Popstar, one of those movies that, like, is stupid funny, but it knows it's stupid funny, and it leans into that. So if those movies feel like, oh, I really like those movies and enjoy them and I can laugh at something dumb, then that's what weird is for you. Um, but at times it can also feel like uh, a string of SNL skits, like a compilation of, like, if you saw every drunk uncle, like, stitched together. You know, you're like, okay, I get it. Like, that's the joke. Yeah, like, Daniel Radcliffe hosting one episode of SNL doing a sketch where he plays Weird Al is, like, funny. Mm -hmm. But, like, can you watch it for 90 minutes in a row? The answer is, yeah, but you might get a little tired of it by the end. <laughs> um, but I think, overall, there are some twists and turns, and you'll never guess how this movie, like, pans out by the end of it. Unless you've, like, seen spoilers or read a plot synopsis. Um, but I think it's a fun time. But maybe, like, the ads might help break up the monotony and maybe I missed the ads. <laughs> so, overall, I'd recommend all four of these films. Um, but they're for very, like, different audiences. Like, you know what you like. If You know, pick and choose your favorites. Amen. Great. Thank you for the recommendation. <laughs> Thank you. This has been Ryan's Review Roundup. Time to segue out of this corner of the podcast. Ooh. Have we got approval to move on? That's one oh, check. we're waiting. 
The I'm, votes are still coming in. You ever watch C-SPAN when they're like still getting votes in the house or whatever? Why is the voting period so long? I feel like everyone needs the button, yay or nay, on the thing. They go three, two, one, everybody vote. You press it, it's done in like 30 seconds. You know, I don't know why they're like, we'll get the votes in 30 minutes. And everyone's like mingling and they're talking about like little lunch plans or whatever. And then little numbers are ticking up on the screen. Why is it such a slow process? Like, it should be Kahoot style. They should just log in on their phone well, and they like, just check it. Think about it. Like... Even, like, the midterm elections, right? We're still waiting for results from some, like, districts, right? Well, I get that. But That's... no, like... <laughs> Don't become no, an no, no. This is not an election denial podcast. No, no, no. Think about it. Why... How come we can count so many votes for American Idol super fast, but we cannot vote for the House of <laughs> American Representatives? American Idol is not determining the future of our democracy. It is determining the future of pop democracy. Never. Kelly Clarkson would not be a Never. talk show host without that show. It's true. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I just think, yeah, C-SPAN, <laughs> get your act together. Well, it's not C-SPAN's fault. They're just broadcasting it. It's the government. Congress, get your act together. This is this has ended the political podcast portion. Ooh, welcome to Tyler's Political Corner. This is the other corner of the podcast. Don't even get me started. That's the tagline. <laughs> Don't get me Don't started. Get me. It's like, <laughs> it sounds like a terrible catchphrase on like a... Like radio show or whatever, no, or like a bad, like a like morning sitcom, talk. or no, yeah. like a not a sitcom, uh, like a sitcom, oh, yeah, a sitcom about a morning radio talk show or something. Like, Don't like get it's me like the started. Peter Griffin, like you know, it really grinds my exactly. gears. Yeah. Um. Anyways, what you can get me started on are the movies that we'll be discussing on today's episode. Mm. First up is the uh, coming of age romance <laughs> cannibal drama road film Bones oh. and All. Directed by Luca Guadagnino, who directed uh, Suspiria, the 2018 remake, not the original, as well as Call Me By Your Name. Uh, this movie comes out November 18th and stars Taylor Russell, Timothy Chalamet, Mark Rylance, and Michael Stuhlbarg. And yes, you heard me drop a lot of genre keywords at the beginning of this uh, introduction. Um, and this movie seems like all of those things. Like, it's it's a drama and a romance. Yeah, yeah. And it's about cannibals. Yeah. And they're on a road trip. And it's a coming of age story. And it's a coming of age story. So I feel like it checks all the boxes, but like And it's a thriller. It's part of what that like part of that nebulous like genre identification is what makes this movie, I think, like cool and promising. Like it's a fun intersection of all of these different styles of movie. But also I think it's what makes it like it will be really challenging to see if they pull this off or not. You know what I mean? Like h- how can like a I guess there's only like really a couple like romance and horror overlapping films that I can like think of one of these is like let the right one in or the like English remake let me in or whatever which was like the vamp like the Swedish vampire Uh romance movie um I don't know if he directed the English one maybe he did Mm. um and I think that now that same it's based on a book though and I read the book when I was younger and then I think it now has like a series on like Amazon or something that's based on that book interesting um but, like, those two genres aren't ones that you, like, see a lot mixing together. Um, other or if than, they like, do, it's, like, a comedy, like, Warm Bodies. Yes, exactly. Um, but this looks really cool. Um, the trailer is, like, Taylor Russell is this teenage girl that, for whatever reason, has, like, a known need to consume human flesh. Like, her father knows about it. The opening scene of one of the trailers is, like, 
her just deciding to start eating her friend's hand at a sleepover and it like looks brutal um and the dad's like i can't help you anymore i know you need to do this but like it's just too big of a burden on me so she takes off to fend for herself um and winds up meeting timothy chalamet who apparently is another eater as they call themselves and they know that they have the same need to eat human flesh and they kind of like team up fall in love but also have these run-ins with like other eaters and it's kind of that like dystopian thing of like we're sticking together but then there's like the the other like band of you know people that are like us but you know they're against us they're against us exactly they're dangerous um the like vibe of this trailer gave me a lot like reminded me a lot of the movie and book the road by cormac mccarthy Mm -hmm. um which is like a post-apocalyptic about a post post apocalyptic story about like a father and son traveling um and like all the kind of like the dangers of like the elements and also like packs of like bandits or whatever that are like uh dangerous and threatening to them and like all like all the challenges that you face when you are like just out for your own survival kind of thing like it's a survival tale um mm-hmm. it seems like this is um but the romance element is really like a cool added twist to it. And I think uh, will add to the tension because it's like not just I'm trying to survive, but also like I have this other person that I deeply care about and I want to protect them and make sure that they're taken care of as well. Whereas like you can see early on in the film, it's very much set up that this is a story of like self-preservation. Like I have to do what I need because I need to do it to stay alive. And now you factor in, I need to also take care of this other person. And that can obviously lead to, some tension when maybe things don't go as you would hope that they do. So I'm really interested in this. I think this is like an interesting project for Luca Guadagnino to be like working on after doing Call Me By Your Name, Mm -hmm. like a very like... Well, that's also another horror romance movie about a cannibal. I guess. I mean, it was a little bit... With Timothy Chalamet. It's exactly the same, Tyler. It's not It's not on the surface a horror movie, but maybe if you dig a little deeper. But, like, that is, like, a very... I mean, I guess it's based on a book, and Bones and All is also based on a book. And, uh, yeah, Timothy Chalamet is in it, and that's about where the resemblances end. Ow. On the surface. On the surface. <laughs> Um, unless there's that like, peach a little yeah, bit. Yeah, unless there's another <laughs> scene in Bones and All where Timothy Chalamet fucks a peach. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what do you think, Ryan? I think this movie looks very interesting. You know, you were talking about The Road, and I th- was getting the vibes of, uh, this feels like, like, weirdly enough, it reminded me of, like, Queen and Slim from a couple years ago. Oh, yeah, no, it totally makes like, sense, yeah. But, like, less, like, politically charged, you know? Queen and Slim, <laughs> about, like, the experience of two, like, black americans that are on the run after like causing the death of a cop mm-hmm. and this is like similar and they just met each like other. yeah this is like new like couple falls in love because they're on the run but because they're both cannibals and they're running from other <laughs> yeah um i'm interested i haven't seen anything that like taylor russell has been in that i don't like her in like even the like escape room movies like which are just like schlocky fun mm-hmm. like she's great in them and i like yeah re- she's a great pro- she elevates the performances look awesome like, i'm super excited for mark mark Rylance in this film too kind of yeah. plays like the main like creepy leader of these like and you know what his performance also reminded me a lot of like the vibe of performance from like a uh from like dr sleep or another project that's like that where it's like this like like stephen king-esque like Mm -hmm. spooky mystery like the intersections of like mystery and supernatural like this feels like a project that stephen king could have worked on yeah you know what i mean like a mike flanagan because they also Mm -hmm. like the the, those types of like mike flanagan and stephen king like work on this intersection of like it's horror but with added elements of like coming of age or romance or Mm -hmm. like 
religious trauma or like you know yeah. they'll add on like additional layers of drama to like the horror isn't the main genre of the plot it's just an element of this like larger story yeah uh, I think something interesting is that, like, when I first saw this trailer in the theater, like, we couldn't find the trailer that I saw on YouTube, but we didn't search that hard. We, like, looked for, like, the first three results. Um, but, like, we couldn't find the one, but it, like, felt like just, like, a coming-of-age, like, rom-com on the, like, run away with meets Timothy Chalamet and, like, run starts to fall in love, him. right? And Who then, like, I don't, I don't know. But then all of a sudden, <laughs> like, oh, wait, they're cannibals? What a twist. Like, so that, like, really got me intrigued of, like, this, like, twisting the knife gut punch of, like, oh, you thought it was going to be a sweet little lovely story. But actually, no. They're going to eat people or they're going to be running away from cannibals because the cannibals want to eat them, the other cannibals. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It just, like, it's weird. It gives me, like, A24 vibes without being an A24 film. I feel like that's totally the most yeah. A24 trailer I've seen that isn't for an A24 <laughs> Yeah, movie. that makes sense. Um, <laughs> It's an MGM movie, uh, which is now owned by Amazon, which is weird. Um, Do you, so you think this movie's gonna go to Prime like pretty quickly? Uh, well, it depends. I don't know. Depends the, how well it does in theaters. Yeah, I don't know the rights uh, with the new MGM deal. I know that like sometimes like movies that are uh, Amazon Studio movies will come to Prime really quick, but sometimes it'll take a while. And then, uh, well, it's coming up. It's weird, like. Amazon had, like, the exclusive rights to stream Knives Out for a while, and oh, now right, Netflix yeah. is putting out Glass Onion, so streaming deals are weird. Um, but overall, I think Bones and All looks really interesting, looks creepy, but looks, like, enticing. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's like, you know, the forbidden fruit. Like, I don't want to eat somebody, but I would like to watch a movie about people that eat yeah. people, I guess. Um, yeah. And it's also interesting that this film, like, at least the trailers that I've seen have relied a lot on, like putting up the big, like, quotes from, like, people that have viewed it. Like, oh, we really, like, it's a masterpiece. Like, it's beautiful. It's, like, touching. But it, like, also, like, is horrifying or, mm -hmm. like, you know, like, kind of showing how, like, all these different critics and all these different viewers have had, like, very different, like, experiences of, like, what sticks with them about this film. And so I think that's cool for somebody that is into, like, a variety of these dramas, like might watch a coming of age drama, might watch a horror film, might watch a whatever, like road, like indie film. And like <laughs> any of these audiences can go and see this and get something out of it that they might appreciate. And maybe you'll appreciate the other genres as well. Yeah. Um, but if you're looking for something a little more straightforward that knows exactly what kind of genre it is, um, I guess it blends like comedy a little bit, but this next film is the menu. Well, it's obviously just like a thriller comedy, right? Yeah. Like, I also, th with this movie, I feel like I can tell you exactly, beat for beat, what the story is. Well, uh, first let me tell you who directs it, who's <laughs> in it, and when it comes out. Uh, this movie is directed by Mark Malloyd, uh, who directed uh, What's Your Number and Ollie G in the House. Uh, very interesting uh, filmography. He's done a lot of TV work, too, directing episodes yeah. of like, Succession and stuff um, like The menu comes out on November 18th, uh, 2022, and stars Ray Fiennes, Anya Taylor-Joy, Nicholas Holt, Hong Chow, and John Leguizamo. And uh, this movie is about people, like, fancy rich people, and they go and they want to have a fun dinner with this big chef who's famous, and then all uh, like surprise... on an island, too, like a remote island, where yes. they just, like, 12... They charge, like, $1,200 just to go and eat one meal. Mm -hmm. uh, but then, uh, surprise, uh, something horrible happens. People start to be murdered by... It looks like the people that work at this fancy island, and yeah. then they're hunting their prey, which is the guests. So, overall... A uh, wild night for these people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'll say so. 
Um, they're like, man, I thought I was just going to have to spend a lot of money, and now I'm getting chased with a fork knife? Yeah. It, Ooh, fork knife. Fork knife? Number one victory royale. Ooh, you want to hop on duos right now? That's what they're doing. They're on an island, and it's a battle royale. And there's two of them. Like, they come in, they came <laughs> in a pair. duos, yeah. They're playing duos. They're playing duos. <laughs> wow. Except it's not fair. Like, the, the people that run the restaurant are, like, cheating because they're all, like, teaming up against yes. them. So, uh, this movie feels like a lot of different things. It feels like Squid Game, right? It feels like, uh, what else does it feel like? It reminded me a lot of The Hunt. The Hunt. The, that's the yeah. movie I was thinking of. Which was like the whole like battle royale idea or like these people are like teaming up to kill, like it was like divided on the, like, the political spectrum, right? Like mm-hmm. we're a bunch of like liberals that are trying to hunt down all the like conservatives, conservatives or whatever. But um, this one feels more like it's divided on like uh, class, class, right? Mm-hmm. Like restaurant workers are like typically like seen as like Blue collar. Blue collar. Unless they're like very, like they're very elevated, like Bobby Flay cuisine, like experts or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they tend to get like not a great rap uh, because they're like members of the service industry. And I think it's a commentary on that where like mm-hmm. this person becomes a celebrity chef. So they get a lot of like renown and people pay exorbitant amounts of money to eat their food. And yet they probably don't think twice about like the actual like service industry workers that they normally benefit from. Yes. And uh, so these restaurant workers are like going after to like, it's like a Robin Hood situation, right? Except instead of taking money, it's like just about like killing them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it it also like reminded me of a movie that I saw really recently called a uh, Triangle of Sadness, which is also about like class dichotomy and like uh, the what is the word the obliviousness of like the rich people or like influencers like lifestyle, right? Because Nicholas Holt is like this fancy rich man who wants to like take pictures of his food before he eats it and like uses words like mouthfeel right mm. which you know is not something you know the working class hero does right right yeah, exactly it's bruce but yeah. he's not bruce and then i think you have anya taylor joy's character who is very much the like lens of the audience oh, definitely. who is like being taken on this date by nicholas holt like to go experience this and is kind of like cornered at one point by ray finds character is like I need to know if you're with them or with us, right? Like, which side of this, like, mm-hmm. dichotomy do you fall on? And so I think we'll see, like, what where her character lands. Like, that's the biggest question mark to me in this, is where does her character land amongst all this? Like, I see the motivation probably for Ray Fiennes and the kitchen staff, why they would be, pursu- like, pursuing these, like, rich people and trying to, like, kill them. Like, I I wouldn't do that, but I see why they're doing it. Yes. But I don't know where Anya Joy and where her character lands on, like, obviously not wanting to be killed, but also, like, maybe not entirely sympathizing with uh, the plight of the uh, the wealthy people either, right? Yes. Like, I think she also understands the, absur- the absurdity and the exorbitance of, like, paying $1,200 for one meal or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and throughout this trailer, it's not just, like, a constant, like, run for your life, like, ah, they're gonna kill us. It's, like, sprinkled with humor throughout the film, or the trailer. But this movie isn't a straight comedy, so I can't ask the question, what was your favorite uh, joke of the trailer? But if you want to say it, you can say it. But I don't think... I have it. Okay, go for it. It cuts to a a rich couple. One of them is the actress that plays Helen Pierce in the Ozark series. I don't know who the other guy is. Uh, But the husband's, like, assuring his wife, like, don't worry, we're going to be okay. And she replies back like, no, we're going to die tonight. And he's like, yep, that's that's what's going to (laughs) happen. It's very, like, coming to terms with the frankness of the situation is, like, very funny to me. And I think that's where a lot of this, like, class-conscious social commentary, like, horror or, like, thriller comedy, like, that's the, that's the, um, 
that's a good like summation of like what kind of stance it's taking, right? Yeah. Like it's being very frank and brutal about the situation, like brutally honest kind of thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, it looks like it's uh, going to be a fun time at the movies with a great cast. John Leguizamo like pokes his head out for a second and they go, oh, hey, that guy's fun. Uh, I don't know what his role in the movie will be probably another guest that's like running away. Um, but overall, I think I'm very excited for this movie. Uh, every time I go to the movies with my mom... And that trailer comes on. She goes, "Ooh, I want to see that movie." So it's getting the moms of oh, America moms excited. Approval. Okay, I also will just say I think Ray Fiennes was born to play like a villainous head chef. Like he just looks like he fits so well, like the embodiment of like that like very like mm. stuffy like suppressed personality. Yes, but like with a sharp tongue that will just like cut you fucking down to size. Like Gordon Ramsay, like elevated. You know what I mean? Yeah, because Gordon Ramsay has his soft side. Yes, you know if you're a watch Master Ray Chef Fiennes, Junior, Ray Fiennes isn't helping the what was it like blind master chef junior contestant like appreciate the food that they made gordon ramsay has that sweet moment where he's like listen to the crunch of this bread like he's helping. like in ratatouille he's i haven't seen them. this clip no like the master chef junior like one of the kids is like blind but oh, is a good chef okay and so he's like helping them like appreciate the quality of the food that they made because they can't like see what they've produced and so it's very sweet and tender but you would never catch Ray Fiennes from the menu doing that with a child. He'd be like, mm, how much money do you make a year? You're done! The kid goes, well, I'm a blind <laughs> chef, so... <laughs> but yeah. Um, otherwise, I think it's going to be a great addition to, uh, you know, the food horror f- genre. Yeah, it's a very small, <laughs> small niche. But this one on Wikipedia didn't have a list of, like... It's a restaurant horror comedy. Like, it didn't no, have no, no. I think it was just, like, horror comedy or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, this is just our initial impression. We won't know what we think until we actually see the movie. And then you'll be able to hear more about what we think because we will leave a review on Letterboxd. Or at least I will. Ryan just adds his I like to log it. I told you, you gotta add your review because I'm trying to boost my engagement. I can only comment if you leave a review. But I don't... I, my reviews are exclusive for Ryan's Review Roundup. Just say, just, they do this all the time. It's like, this review continues on IndieWire or whatever, like professional no. reviewers. Just say, like, this review continues on Ryan's Review Roundup. Do I have to give you a can star link to the rating episode. to do a review? Um, no, I think you can just like it. Okay. What, what, will it work if like, I log my films? Can I, I like... see people that have, like, text and just a like, but no star rating. Interesting. But what if, like, it's a movie I don't like? Then one star. But I don't want to give it a star rating. Oh my god! I'm not into the stars. I don't know how it works. Take not it up with Letterboxd. But we will be using Letterboxd to help Except us with this like next game. Movies. Because we do have, you know, what do restaurants and movies have in common? Reviews, right? Oh, People leave reviews previews. on restaurants. Not previews. Oh, you don't oh, do a so preview sorry, for sorry. a restaurant. <laughs> Ooh, I mean, what? that'd be cool. <laughs> Imagine you go you go to like a fancy restaurant's like website and they have like a trailer like, experience fine dining. I guess they kind of do that like casinos yeah. or like you know what i mean like vegas or like they have those billboards like when a new casino like restaurant's yeah. opening up it's like ooh, that's like a well that's like a movie billboard but i'm saying a trailer like it's the channel in the casino or the hotel but yeah, yeah. like shows you the restaurant on loop oh <laughs> that's fun that's the trailer but anyways i'm pulling some reviews off of the app letterboxd um that are reviews of movies that are about or take place in restaurants okay okay and so all you have to do, I'm going to read you the review. All you have to do is tell me the name of the movie that oh, this review okay. is about. But you can also earn a bonus point. How do I do that? You can name the restaurant that is in the movie in question. Okay. Okay. So one point if you can just tell me the movie based on the review. An additional bonus point 
if you can tell me the name of the restaurant in the movie. Are you ready to play, Ryan? I think so. Let's do it. All right. Review number one comes in from Letterboxd user River and says, when I say I love French cinema, this is what I mean. I mean, there's so many movies. This is a five-star review. French cuisine. Um, well, wait, it, it just French cinema? When I say I love French cinema, this is what I mean. Five stars and a heart. Okay, well, I mean, it could be a comedic review where it's like, this movie's not really from France. Or it could actually just be like some French film. But I don't know many French films, so I'm just going to go with a film set in France. Uh, is it Ratatouille? It is Ratatouille. Hey. And you know what? I agree, River. I don't know much French cinema, but if this counts... I'm sold. Sign me up. Uh, I like that French animated film, My Life as a Zucchini. Never heard of it. Zucchini? I love zucchini. That's also a French movie about (laughs) food. And by movie, I mean Disney Channel short. Well, the My Life as a Zucchini is not about food. The thing, I love zucchini. Yes, yes, yes. That thing. That thing. Around the... No. Plate around the world or something like that? Around the plate uh, in 80 days? Yeah, around the plate or something, something like, like that. that, yeah. Pass the plate. Pass, I don't know. They were passing the plate around the world. Sure. That's what it was called. And Brenda Song was there. Not in France. No, but she would like to throw the plate sometimes. Julianne! That's a spicy pepper! <laughs> okay. For a bonus point, Ryan, can you tell me the name of... And there are multiple, multiple correct answers. Can you tell me the name of a restaurant that exists in Ratatouille? Gusto's? Correct! Okay. All right, that's two <laughs> points, and you're only one question in. Wow. You're killing it already. Here we go. Review number two on Letterboxd comes from... Which one did I mean? There's multiple in the screenshot. Here we go. Okay. I mean, you could just choose one right now. No, I couldn't. I picked each one specifically. Oh, oh, I thought you meant, like, which one is the second one I'm going to read. No, 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 no. There's, like, multiple reviews in this screenshot. I understand. Okay. No, I understand. This review comes from Letterboxd user Dirk H. Four stars and a heart. Feel good food porn. I feel good. I am hungry as hell. And I'm a little bit horny. Uh, you know what? When I watch the movie Chef, that's how I feel as a chef. You feel a little horny after watching Chef? You see I the way the, he, that man makes a grilled cheese? And it's the dancing scene. When the, John Favreau and Sofia Vergara, like, salsa dancing? Come on. Nah, it's when he makes that grilled cheese. That's also very sexy. You are correct. Hey. The movie is Chef. Now, Ryan, for a bonus point, can you name me the name of the restaurant, or I will accept the name of the food truck oh, God. that is in the movie Chef. What do they call their food truck? Ah. Oh, wait. Ah. Mm. I'm, I'm blanking. I can't. I'm sorry. Okay, the name of the food truck is El Jefe. Oh, He is right. the boss He's of the, the food truck. What's his but he was also the Dustin chef. Hoffman's restaurant? He was also the chef at Dustin Hoffman's like fancy restaurant, which was called Galois's. I would have never gotten Galois's. You know what's so funny about this, though, is these first two answers, like, the two acceptable answers, like, you have the French restaurant, like, the classic restaurant in Ratatouille uh-huh. called Gusto's, and then he opens up his own at the end called Ratatouille. Le Ratatouille, yeah. like, the in the French language. Mm-hmm. And then in Chef, you have Galois's, uh-huh. like, Gusto's, right? Like, oh, like the classic G-G. restaurant. And then you have El Jefe. Like Le Ratatouille, El Jefe. You know what I mean? Like they're in the native like language. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. I, I don't know. I saw some like parallels there. Sure. Chef and Ratatouille, I think back to back would be a great like a double feature. Double feature. I'd be down. Fun movie. Which one do you do first? I think you go Ratatouille then Chef. Okay. But that's just because right that's the order I had in these questions. Yeah, we'll be right back in like four <laughs> <Three> hours. hours. <laughs> okay, just kidding. Here's the next review. This one comes from user letterbox user Megan. 
This is only a two-star review. Ooh, Megan didn't like this. And it says, I doubt Bradley Cooper could even make toast. Oh, Bradley Cooper is in... I can see the poster. What's that movie called? I don't think I saw it. He's like in an apron in a kitchen, and that's on the movie poster. And the yep. floor is like black and you, white checkered. You got it. But I don't know what this movie's called. Uh, think of like it's terms maybe, that will get used like in and around the kitchen. Like, It's an adjective. Is it one word? Yes. Burnt. Correct. <laughs> really? Yes. The movie is called <laughs> Burnt. I have no. I've never seen it. So I it's don't like know what a. It's like. Called. I think it's like. This is. It gives the vibe of like Chef came out and then a year later, a, like Wait, a this... studio took a similar script and like made another movie. I thought this movie came out before Chef. No, it's a year after Chef. Really? Yeah. But it's like this one's a little bit more intense on the drama and is like more about like him like being a burned out like uh-huh. alcoholic and then he like tries to get back into the cooking game or whatever. Okay. So it's like less wholesome than Chef. Well, I, but it's kind of similar vibes. I've never seen it, so I don't know what the name of the restaurant is. That's okay. <laughs> the two restaurants that you could have said are the Rue at the Langham, which is just like it's the name of the restaurant at a uh-huh. hotel that he stays at. Or I would have also accepted Burger King because there's like a pivotal scene <laughs> in which in this movie where, that takes place at a Burger King where he talks about like the difference between like high class food versus like fast food. Okay. Um so well, I would have accepted either answer and you maybe you could have gotten there if you'd seen the movie. Okay. But. Did you know uh in Scooby Doo two there's a scene where they have Burger King, but in the international version it's a uh, KFC because they had oh, like a weird partnership deal with like uh, promotion. Burger King was like a like was domestic a, sponsor, uh-huh. but not an international. And sponsor. KFC was the international one. Interesting. And if you go on HBO Max, they have the international version. Weird. But on my Blu-ray, it's a Burger King. Well, sorry, that movie is not on this list, so well, it makes sense. It's not that. really about food. Okay. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for? Okay, so you got two points for Ratatouille, only one point for Chef. And you ended up guessing correctly, the movie burnt. So you are four for three right now. You're doing great. All right. Review number four. There's only five, by the way, so you're almost done. Oh, we usually do six. Do we? Well, there's not that many movies about restaurants, so this is really all I could come up with. Well, I named Scooby-Doo 2, so does that count? (laughs) I'll take the bonus point. All right. Remember, we do five because there's not normally, like, so there's not have to be, like, a tiebreaker, right? I don't know. We I thought usually we did five. do six, and then like it just never ends in a tie. Okay, we're just whatever. lucky like that. All right. Well, here we go. There's only five, so two more. Review number four comes from Letterbox user Matthew, a three and a half star review that says, "From capitalism to late capitalism in thirty seconds with two pickles." Two pickles. The pickles seem important. The only thing I'm thinking of about pickles right now is that one episode of SpongeBob. Where Bubble Bass that. is like, he hid the pickles under his tongue. It's not that. The The restaurant is the Krusty Krab. <laughs> so close. I, I, um, is it Pig? No, it is not Pig. This movie is The Founder. The Michael Keaton oh. story about the founding of McDonald's. Okay. I haven't seen that movie either. And can you name the restaurant that's in the movie? McDonald's? You, you got it! it. No, yeah. I, I feel like that one doesn't count. You gave it to me. I... I I fucked up and I said it, so it's okay. But I, I knew it. if you told me it was the founder, I could have told you it was McDonald's. But if it's a bonus point... Exactly, you would have got it anyway. Okay, it's okay, five okay. points. Okay. Just take it. All right. The last review here comes from Letterbox user Pube. I didn't read these in <laughs> advance. This just says Pube. Maybe Pube? I'm so sorry. I'm hoping it's just a joke name. Whatever. 
Uh, this is a two and a half star review, and it says, Despite being stupidly juvenile and kind of douchey, this is one of the only movies that almost feels like how it is to work at an actual restaurant. From the sexual dynamics between employees to the ugly green dessert plates, this dumb movie somehow nails it. Well, at least nails it more than the other movies slash shows out there. Spoiler alert to anyone who's never worked in the food industry. People are gross and most don't wash their hands. Many others either come into work fucked up or are just waiting to get off to get fucked up. Your food is what matters least to most of the people preparing it. But there are also some really awesome people who do care about what they do, and that is why it's always important to tip. This movie also has way too many pubes, even for me. So they wrote about pubes, and their name is also Pube, apparently. Um, yeah. Wow. I, I'm i thinking of, like, the Hulu show The Bear. Um, but I know it's not that. Um, oh, gosh. I feel like they just gave me a review of what it's like to work in a restaurant, not a review of a movie, so I don't know. Um, movies that are about restaurants. Um, is it... It's not the 100-yard journey with Helen Mirren. 100-foot journey. 100-foot no. journey. It's not... It, I don't know. It might be. Is it No Reservations? No, it's not No Reservations. This is the 2005 film starring Ryan Reynolds called Waiting... Dot, uh, dot, dot. I've never heard of that movie. It's uh, about like a bunch of teenagers that work like as like wait staff in like a like chain restaurant. So it's like clerks like, but for Fridays. restaurants. Yes, exactly okay. that vibe. Okay. Well, is the restaurant TJ Fridays? No, you no. wouldn't know the name. It's actually the restaurant is based on like a real world chain called Bennigan's. I love Bennigan's. Okay, so the name of the restaurant in the movie is called Shenanigans because oh. it's like a spoof of we that we used to have whatever. a Bennigan's in san diego i watched this movie like literally a year or two ago like it was on netflix and i was uh-huh. like you know it's like 10 o'clock at night and i'm like i'll just put on this like ryan reynolds douchey movie? ryan reynolds comedy or whatever it like wasn't bad it's like very much that like it's that like pre-hangover genre of like adult comedy you know that's like, like, like bro comedy? just going for raunch like just going for like sh- shock factor but like I agree with this person's like review like it's douchey but also like it does feel like very authentic about like hmm what the dynamic between, like, these characters in this workplace would be like, you know? Cool. Well, uh, that was fun. I, I knew some of them. But, but don't worry. I didn't even though you didn't them. even know anything about the last movie, you still got full credit on this assignment. Five out of five, Ryan. Oh, well th- done. Thank you, Professor. <laughs> Good job. A plus. I'm adding that in red pen on the top. Nice. Nice work. Ooh, I can't wait to go on Canvas to read my professor's comments. <laughs> hey, I lived for my professor's comments. I was like, please... Please. Words of affirmation is my love language. <laughs> Alright, well thanks for playing, Ryan. That was a fun one. I thought it was. Alright, now let's move on to another movie that's not about food, despite what you might think based on the title. Aww. This movie is Glass Onion, a Knives Out Mystery. Wait, you're telling me this movie has an onion and a knife in the title and it's not about dinner? It's not. Well, <laughs> at least I don't think it is. Well, if, maybe it's about like a dinner party. Maybe. But it didn't see it seemed more like Island Vacay. Okay, okay. Um, but tell me more about it. Tell me well, you've heard of Knives Out. This movie came out a couple years ago. It got Oscar nominated. And, you know, it is a great mystery movie. Ryan Johnson's Who Done It. And now it's getting not one, but two sequels. At the same time? This is the first of the sequels. The next one is yet to come. Oh, so it's not Glass but Onion Ryan... is one sequel and then a Knives Out mystery <laughs> no, is a second no, this sequel? No, this is just the first sequel to Knives Out. Um... Ryan Johnson is directing this yet again, another Benoit Blanc mystery. Daniel Craig returns as the detective at the center of the story, but with a whole new cast of characters around him. Oh. Um, Ryan Johnson, you know him from his work on Knives Out, as well as Star Wars The Last Jedi, uh, and the movie like Looper. 
And brick. And brick. Um, I know, I literally could have sat there and like just typed out Ryan Johnson's whole filmography it's from short. memory, but um, you know, those are the ones that people have seen, I think. I, I'm not like people that I've talked to have seen Brick, but it's really good. Um, but this movie comes out on November 23rd for one week theatrical release and then releases on Netflix uh, on December 23rd. So there's quite a long wait for people that miss it in theaters. So if you don't like, see it at Thanksgiving, have you have to wait till Christmas. Exactly, yeah. It's like... It's a holiday movie no matter between. what. Yeah. And it's a short gap of time to see it in the theater because it's only out there for one week. Exactly, yeah. So you got to either get in to see it in theaters or you got to wait a whole month. So I'm lucky that we got tickets to go see in theaters because I'm very excited for this film. But as I mentioned, Daniel Craig returns again as Benoit Blanc, the detective at the center of the story, but a whole new cast of characters around him, including Edward Norton, Janelle Monet, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr., Dave Bautista, Kate Hudson, and Ethan Hawke. Um, I'm, as I mentioned, super excited for this film. I loved, loved, loved Knives Out. Um, and I was really so to hear that we were getting sequels. Um, this movie looks great based on the trailer. I do just have like a couple questions on like something about like the vibes of like Knives Out being this great original premise film, uh, did super well in theaters, got Oscar nominated. And then like it got picked up for two sequels that are going to Netflix. Like something about that, like feels off to me. Not that not Netflix can make good movies, but it just feels like it's not the same as like an organic sequel coming out again in theaters, and it's like mm-hmm. almost as good as the first. It feels like it's like you know commodifying like the greatness of the first movie. But I still think with Ryan Johnson behind the film writing and directing, it can have some of the allure and some of what made the first movie great. I just have a question as to whether it can hit like that same peak that the first movie did for me, because ultimately I don't think I don't know like. How is Ryan Johnson going to approach this one? Is he going to write the same movie again? Like the structure of Knives Out was so different where we kind of saw how things took place ahead of time. um, And then we saw the fallout from this death. But then there was like an additional twist at the end that made you rethink how things happened. And so does he take the same structure or does he format it differently? Uh, Because Knives Out felt like a homage, but also restructuring of like the classic whodunit murder mystery like detective film, right? Mm-hmm. And so does he do the same thing with Glass Onion or does he maybe try to like structure it in a new different way? Like does he copy what he did with Knives Out or does he do what he did to Knives Out or what Knives Out did to other mystery thrillers to that movie and like further deconstruct and and reconstruct in a different way? Does that make sense? Yes. Um, you said a lot of things. Uh, so I'll address multiple points in different, uh, you know, in, in, in all due time. Uh, first off, you were talking about how like you're worried about like it going to Netflix and its sequels going to Netflix. And that's just like the corporate way that Hollywood works. Right. I know. Like this movie, like the original one was like Lionsgate or something like that. But Ryan Johnson still like owned the rights to those characters and like any stories that like are with them future in the future. Right. Mm-hmm. So then he's like, uh, okay, I'm going to make a sequel. And then he just sold it to the highest bidder, which happened to be Netflix. So, and Netflix goes, okay. And then after enough poking and prodding from like, People like us, uh, they're like, fine, we'll put it in the theater for a week. Ah, uh, here you go, be happy. Uh, but then we get it all to ourselves on Christmas. Ha 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 But then I guess everybody gets it on Christmas, so it's like weird socialism? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but... Hourglass onion. <laughs> um, you also talked about, like, how is he going to rekindle that feeling of, like, how it was the first time. And I think, smartly, like, based on the trailer, like, feels similar but like very different at the same time yeah right the first one was like cozy like fall Mm -hmm. vibes this one feels like hectic summer vibes vibes, right uh even the color palette's different like the first one like very brown like uh fall colors like orange Mm -hmm. this one very summer colors like bright blue 
uh, yellow, things like that. Um, and it's a whole totally different cast of characters. Even Benoit Blanc's outfit is like different. It's like baggier and looser because it's yeah, like summertime. It's like supposed to take place on like a vacation, mm-hmm. which like also, why is this a Christmas movie and not a summer movie? Like well, this, this release time frame feels like it would have fit better for like the original Knives Out than like well, this the original movie. Well, this, the original Knives Out came like in November. That's what I'm saying, but it doesn't make sense for, this one seems more like a summer movie. So oh. that's what I'm saying. Well, I think it's just because of awards recognition. Yeah, for sure. Because the first one got a screenplay nom, so this one like can be considered for things like that. Totally. Um, but uh, other than that, like the first one like felt a lot like the detective shows up to a murder that's already happened, right? Mm-hmm. Like a uh, Agatha Christie type thing mm-hmm. uh, with... Poirot. But this one reminds me a lot of... Uh, have you ever seen the film Murder by Death, Tyler? No, I haven't. Okay, so it's like... A detect- that title also doesn't make any sense, but okay. It doesn't. But it's like a film from the 70s that's like a detective parody movie. Mm. Um, where like this guy invites all these great detectives... Or uh, it's like Game Night. Okay, like, um, yeah. Like this guy invites everybody over for like a fun murder mystery party and then someone actually gets killed and then you have to figure out who the okay. murderer is. So... That's like the basic yeah, that's premise of this the premise movie. Of this right? movie yeah. um, and like Benoit Blanc already is there and is like maybe even close to the person that gets murdered because we see him like shed tears in this trailer. Like you mm-hmm. see a lot more emotional range from Benoit Blanc in this trailer already than you got in the first Knives Out movie. And so I think that like conveys that this isn't Benoit Blanc there to do a job. This is Benoit Blanc who like happens to get put in a situation where like somebody that he cares about dies or is like in danger and he is having to like solve the crime before like something bad happens to him or to other people that he cares about. Mm-hmm. And uh, all these people like have a life together and like they have connections, but they're not a family like the original film. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, Oh, so-and-so is like this. And that's like their role in the family. It's like, Oh, yeah. this is their role in the friend group or this is their role in like the dynamic of like these people who are like well, kind of acquainted. Yeah. Maybe. And like, I mean already the family in the first night out movie was like split, but it still was like, they cared about each other mm-hmm. or at least like groups of them did. But I think with this group of friends, you're going to get a lot more, like, finger-pointing because, like, how do they know, like, who to trust? Like, yeah. none of them are going to, like, bat be, like, go to bat for the other person, right? They're, there's not, like, married couples or families that are, like, or, like, children that are going to, like, stand by one another. It's, like, everyone for himself kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And it, like, still hit the similar vein of, like, Knives Out where, like, it's this rich family, right, is the original. Yeah. Like, they're, like, of kind suspects. of out of touch. But this one was, like, they're out of touch because they're, like celebrities right yeah and like they're on this like private island like the it's like the menu um very much so but, yeah <laughs> but uh i don't know like but that's why the, this trailer like the trailer for last Hunter reminds me a lot of like the murder on the orient express story right mm-hmm. like hercule perot just happened to be on that train with like a bunch of other members of like high society and uh-huh. then there's like this shocking murder and now he has to he's like i know it's one of you because we're the only ones on this train Allah, I know it's one of you because we're the only ones on this island. Mm-hmm. And so it's like process of elimination who is like to blame. And so it feels like very much like that type of structure. Yeah. And I'm excited for this movie. Even like this movie's called Glass Onion and now I know why, because there's like a weird glass globe at the top of this weird man- mansion in like the mm-hmm. ocean. And like the first one was called Knives Out, like and there was that chair of knives. Mm-hmm. Like the title like fits in like you look through the glass onion maybe it's not like exactly what it seems like your vision's a little distorted yeah i don't really know what the phrase means i mean like there's the beatles song glass onion but they kind of named it that just because it was like a nonsense phrase that they were like we don't know what this means either because that's like what the beatles did in the 60s um so who knows what it means in the in the realm of this uh film or like what kind of meaning it might have because knives out obviously the knives are very central and then 
there's the famous like monologue where Daniel yes. Craig is like, "You're all vultures, right? Knives out and ready for the feast." Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I'm I'm super excited for this. Like, my comments for hesitation are not don't have anything to do with like anything I've seen about the trailer or like I think the performances. Of this cast is amazing. Oh, they're super eccentric. It looks like, awesome. Dave Batista's walking around with no shirt and a gun. And I'm excited to see like more. Like, I think this film will rely more on like investing in the additional characters because they don't have to develop Daniel Craig as much. And maybe I think they will. Like, I think we'll see, uh, like I mentioned more from him. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the first movie, it was very much the relationship between like Ana de Armas's character and Daniel Craig. And the performances were great from the family, but I feel like we didn't get to spend as much time with them as it looks like we're going to get with like this set of characters in glass onion. Yes. Uh, I'm excited. And uh, we'll be in theaters on November 23rd. Yeah. Okay. Ryan. It's time. You gotta you gotta cast your ballot now. Oh no! Who's gonna be the murderer? I don't even know who's the murderee. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I feel like you gotta. It's gonna be Catherine Hahn. It was Agatha all along. That's true. I already mentioned this to you before we started recording, but I my money's on Ethan Hawke because he's listed on the cast list. He's nowhere to be seen in the trailer, and I just feel like they're hiding him for some reason. And a big name like Ethan Hawke, like come on. He's got to have some pivotal involvement. Maybe he's the dead body. It could be. It could be. You never know. We'll see. Well, I think it's painfully obvious that every scene of the trailer that takes place, like, after the murder of Edward Norton is, like, really a scene that happened earlier in the movie and it's, like, shoehorned in to make you think he we'll didn't see. die. We'll see. So I'm pretty sure Edward Norton's dying. But if he doesn't, that's okay. And Ryan Johnson will continue to surprise me. And I'm looking forward to see how he structures this. I think it could be cool, like... What if it was the type of thing where, like, we don't know who dies until the end of the movie? Like, the the identity of, like, the the murdered person is the mystery, not, like, the oh. murderer. You know what I mean? I, I feel like that would be very hard. Could you structure that? I think he could do it. Ryan Johnson could do it. Well, I'd be impressed if he, he does. <laughs> <laughs> well, as excited as I am for Glass Onion, I'm even more excited for one other thing. What's that? Christmas! Christmas! I'm so excited for Christmas. Um, and I like Christmas movies too. This year's Christmas movie coming to theaters is maybe a little bit unconventional. Oh, but really? I'm still excited for. I mean, I'm not as excited for this movie as I am for Glass Onion. Okay, okay. But I am excited for Christmas time, and Christmas movies are a big part of that. And I'll go see this movie in theaters because it looks like a fun Christmas movie. And Glass Onion comes out around Christmas. No, I'm seeing it in the Thanksgiving time frame. But you could rewatch it at Christmas if I wanted to. It's on Netflix. Christmas Eve watched. Cue up glass onion. Doesn't feel like the vibes at all, but you know what? It's worth it. Santa comes when the murderer is revealed. <laughs> oh, speaking of Santa and murderers. Oh, yeah? Perfect segue for Violent Night. Ooh, what's that? Um, As you can guess, it's like a Santa... Okay, when I first saw it, actually, I thought it was going to be a horror movie. It looks like it's actually more of like Santa does die hard action situation. Yes, yes. That's the thing with a word like violent is like, could it be horror? Could it be action? Like, who knows? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be Black Christmas or is it going to be... Um, die Hard. I don't yeah, know where exactly. I said that. <laughs> um, but Violent Night, Santa action com. Uh, I guess yeah, action comedy feels yeah. right. Um, directed by Tommy Workula, who is like a Norwegian director, and he's directed like a couple things I've heard of, which are like Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters, as well as uh, What Happened to Monday. Um, this movie comes out on December second and starred, stars David Harbour as the one and only Santa Claus, as well as John Leguizamo, uh, Cam Gedanjit, and then Beverly D'Angelo is back in this film, which I think is funny because she is like. You know, into Christmas vacation movies and stuff like that. Oh, uh, so it's it's like you know having like a you know like how uh, what's his face from Christmas Warrior has a cameo in Elf or whatever. Ralphie, like that's the vibes. Yeah, like bringing over this like classic Christmas character you, to like a new. 
Ralphie's story. coming back for a new Christmas I story. Know, I know, I know. I don't know how I feel about that. Well, we're not talking about that movie. We're talking about Violent Night and how I yeah, feel Because I know is, how I feel about this This one. looks like dumb fun, but also I'm here for it. Like, Santa is kind of like a superhero. Like, he's got he these is. magical powers. He's got to be, like, super strong to carry all those gifts. Magic sack, flying, like, reindeer thing is kind of like having, like, you know, Wonder Woman's jet or, like, whatever. I mean, he's old, but so, he never dies. Yeah, he's kind of a superhero. And so what better thing for him to do than to rescue this family that's under attack by, like, private mercenaries or whatever. Like the Purge or Uh, or something like that. Yeah. And so, like, he's in this house and these people come to kill this family and Santa's like, uh, I don't think so. You're all on the naughty list and starts, like, fucking murdering them. With, like, Christmas tree toppers. Um, It is kind of weird because I think, like, these people are under attack because, like, they're super wealthy or whatever. So is this, like, Santa Claus defending the 1%? But also, like... I don't really care. It's going to be fun. Santa's beating up the bad guys. Like Santa's not that's just fun. defending the one person. He's defending the children. It's true. It's for it's for the spirit of Christmas, right? Like, what yes. kind of atrocity, what kind of human abomination would dare to commit these atrocities Against on Christmas? Child. On Christmas. He's really defending the purity of the holiday, and that's what he's there for. Plus, the child's on the nice list, and the, the what are they called? Uh domestic terrorists they're all on the naughty list exactly yeah well Um, and also it's just like it's fun to just see like this like kind of spoofy action movie but like where it's like the real santa claus right like there are plenty of movies about like oh this guy like pretending to be santa claus or whatever but there are yeah, like, you know, like, Bad Santa or, oh, like, whatever, okay, like, okay, that okay. type of vibe, right? Uh-huh. There are also movies about real Santa, and so yeah. I think it's fun <laughs> to see, like, it's fun to see, like, taking this random Christmas movie, like, Christmas action movie. Like, you would think that would be, like, like, you could see this movie being less good because it's, like, mall Santa has to defend against, like, thieves Ooh, or whatever, right? That's like, just Paul Blart. But he's not the real Santa, right? <gasps> what if this was Paul Blart But this is, like, Paul, Paul Blart this, this is Paul Blart, but he's the real fucking Santa Claus, which I absolutely love. And he's like, you know what? I'm gonna fucking shit on these people because they're ruining Christmas. And do you think he, like, pulls into his sack? He's like, okay, Larry from Arkansas asked for this AR-15, so I'm gonna get this shit out and just fucking blast these guys away. It doesn't look like um, it. It looks like he's using, like, classic Christmas tools. Like, I'm gonna sharpen sharp a candy, candy cane, cane, right? Yeah. But then he also takes their, like, stuffs the hand grenade down the yeah. guy's pants or whatever. Um, well, he calls it a lump of coal. Yeah, the lump of coal. Um, it looks fun. It looks dumb. David Harbour looks funny as Santa Claus. Uh, and you know what? It'll be a good time in the theaters, I'm sure. The more I watch this trailer, the more I'm into it. The more I'm like, yeah, I need to go see Santa, like, defend this family and murder these fools. (laughs) Like, I don't know what it is, but there's something about this movie that gets me in the Christmas cheer mood. Maybe it's the fact that there's, like, a Christmas song playing. Santa is protecting the sanctity of the holiday. It's working. That's exactly what I'm saying. But, wait, what do you think about this? It, it's, uh... The song behind it is like the one Christmas, that's like the snow's it's the one coming like, down. but it's like it doesn't feel like Christmas at all. But this movie makes me feel like it's yes. Christmas. Oh yeah, and there's a dichotomy there. But also, shouldn't the song in the background be Silent Night? Yeah, but I feel like that they probably tested that and it's like it's too weird. <laughs> Can't have the religious song under this one. All is calm. <laughs> yeah. Like, the song that like our kids choir sings at like the church Christmas musical is like now going to be. I, actually, that would actually be the only acceptable version. If it was a children's choir underneath of it, it would be so badass. That'd be fun. Well, I think, I don't know. There's not much we, else we can say about this movie. John Leguizamo is the main baddie, and David Harbour is the main goodie, and they're gonna fight. And... He's, like, the ultimate good, right? Like, Santa Claus is, like, the pinnacle of, like, wholesomeness, and yet he's gonna, like, decapitate these fools. I'm so here for it. It's gonna be great. You know what this kind of reminds me of is, like, there was that, like, sketch, uh... 
like on SNL like a long time ago. Like maybe it was like Christoph Waltz when he was promoting Django Unchained, mm-hmm. and it was like Jesus Unchained. Oh yes, <laughs> it reminds me of that. Like Jesus came back and like started killing all the Romans. Yes, this is like Santa's here and he's killing all the naughty. People. Yes, <laughs> like <laughs> I love it. It's so good. But like I'm more for Santa doing it because. I don't know. I love Christmas more yeah. than Easter. Sorry, Jesus. I'm here for it. It'll be a great time in theaters, I'm sure. And I love that it's like this unconventional Christmas movie. Like, we don't have to get another story about, like, the wholesomeness of the Christmas season or another Christmas Carol adaptation. Oh, we did, we did like, get another whatever. Christmas Carol adaptation, didn't we? Wasn't that, uh, what's that one on Apple TV with Will Ferrell? Oh, Scrooge is coming out. That's right. That's the or other not Christmas Scrooge. movie this year. Sorry, Scrooge is the Bill Murray one. It's called Spirited. Spirited. That's the other Christmas movie this year. That's right. But I don't have Apple TV, so it doesn't apply to me. But it's going to theaters like limited time, right? Like only to Regal. Glass Onion situation? Yeah, but... Why only a specific chain? Why do they do that? I don't don't know. Apple and Regal have like some like backdoor handshake deal. Um, But anyway, this one is Universal and it'll... Like Universal meaning it'll go to all theaters. Not Universal series? Well, this is Universal series. It's both. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that means Violent Nights coming to like... uh, Unis Dudes. Wow, they're gonna change uh, the Grinch scene and the. Unis Dudes is, of course, Universal Studios Hollywood. You know what it means. I don't know. What if it's their first episode, Ryan? They've never heard us use the phrase Unis Dudes before. I don't know if we've ever used that phrase on this (laughs) podcast before, to be honest. But they gotta know. But oh, I'm excited, and soon. I'll be in theaters for Violet. Why are we talking about that? Podcast? Because the Mario World comes out like next year, so we should get our here annual passes we now. Come. Yeah, we're not there yet. That's Universal what... Studios, here, here we come. We come. Um, Violet Knight, yes, good, fun. David Harbour, Santa, nice. And like the vibe that we've had of like this that's off the, the rails, sum- that's, that's how the movie trailer is like. See, yeah. you get it, you get it. Um, but... <laughs> I mean, who doesn't love Christmas and who doesn't love Christmas movies? It's like such an expansive genre. Like, even if you're not like a person that celebrates Christmas, you definitely like have one Christmas oh, movie at 100%. least in your heart that you love. And if there's ever like a Christmas where like you feel like whatever things in the world or in your personal life like aren't what you expect them to be, you can always like tune into your favorite Christmas movie and like feel a little bit of that like holiday spirit and joy mm-hmm. for like. Just like. You know, that warm hug Exactly, feeling, right? exactly. They can really bring out the best of the season. But also there's like a ton of shitty ones, right? Like the Definitely. Hallmark and the Lifetime like vibes. Straight to Netflix. Um, Did you see Love Hard last year? It was on no, Netflix. No, I didn't. It's not good, but I know people that really like it. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, the idea is like her favorite movie, her favorite Christmas movie is Die Hard. His favorite Christmas movie Love is Actually. Love Actually. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, it's They're not so a good different. Movie. How do they fall in love? Also, yeah. he like catfishes her. Like, Yikes. But like, the he's the good guy. Like, she falls in love with him at the end. Wow. <laughs> Thanks for spoiling it, Ryan. It, it's, a, <laughs> it's a dumb Hallmark Christmas movie. You know how it goes. <laughs> but anyways, they run the gamut. All kinds of great nostalgic favorites. Uh, like, crit- okay, there's actually three different dramas. Like, people know they're terrible. Everybody knows they're terrible. Some people still like them, but like, not in... A good way, hmm. um, like what? What's an example? Critically, of that? Uh, like the hall, like the Hallmark stuff, right? Like they're not meant to be good movies. They're low budget. Oh, like Dolly Parton. Like Christmas everyone knows, everyone knows they're not good, but they're still like okay. I might tune in because it's a fun dumb holiday movie, whatever. That's right? definitely. Christmas then there's like the critically acclaimed like good Christmas movies that are made and like still like revered pieces of cinema. Yes. And then there's like the middle, which is like everything else, so expensive, and it's like movies that are like good people enjoy them or like maybe even some nostalgic favorites but then like when compared to like other pieces of cinema aren't like 
the best. Like, they're not well critically reviewed, but, like, people still love them and are endeared to them because of the, like, nostalgic elements and the holiday elements. You know what I mean? Or But then there's, like, in that same category, there's, like, the movies that are, like, you know, critically panned and some people have nostalgia for, but other people just don't understand why people love them so much and they're not that great. Like, mm, The Grinch. Yeah. Jim Carrey version. Yes. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. I love it, but I understand. I understand. Why is there a key party in that movie? <laughs> it's funny. Ron Howard's a kinky bastard. It's a child's film. Anyways, I also I say all this to say that while we have all these holiday movies that we know and love, what their like actual critical consensus is may be, you know, kinda up in the air. It's true. Did and you know so... Hook is rotten on Rotten Tomatoes? What is Hook, the Steven Spielberg movie? That's about Peter garbage. Pan? I love that movie. Right? That's how I'm feeling. Rufio. That's how Right. And, like, some of our favorite Christmas movies could be like that just because, yes. like, maybe we just grew up Just because we grew them up with them and, and we're we nostalgic for them doesn't mean they're, like, rated well, right? Exactly. So Ryan and I thought it would be fun that we're going to draft each of us our five, not five favorite, but the five Christmas movies that we think are, like, the best. And the goal is for us at the end of our picks of I Have Five, Ryan Has Five, we're going to add up their Rotten Tomatoes critic scores and see which one of us has the best list of Christmas movies. And by draft, we don't mean like we're going to write a Christmas movie. Like no. like a fantasy football type draft. Like we're, I'm gonna or like a regular movie. football. Like actual. You know, but the, I've only ever drafted fantasy okay. football, Tyler. I've never yeah. drafted real football. So we're going to switch off one at a time and we'll just pick any Christmas movie that exists. Um, and we'll add it to our list and then we'll see which of us has the highest Tomato collective uh, critic score on Rotten Tomatoes Perfect. across all five movies. All right. Here we go. Which one of us is going to get first pick, Ryan? Who's you want to do a coin toss? Who's decided? Like a classic football match? Just Google flip uh, flip a coin. Oh, wait. Uh, you want you want to call it? Uh, heads. Okay. It's heads. You won. Okay. I'm I'm going to pick first. Uh, round one pick. It's got to be in the category of like critically acclaimed and beloved. Give me It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, interesting. I wonder what the Rotten Tomato score is now because I think when that movie first came out, people didn't like it. Um, but we'll see. We'll see because that's another thing to think about. Is like, uh, like like genre movie or like, like uh, how, when it came out in the period of time. Yeah, right? but now like more people have added their review to Rotten right. Tomatoes, so it's probably gone up. Um, I'm gonna go a more modern one. Um, I'm gonna say Home Alone. That's a good pick. I'm sure that movie has pretty good reviews. Um, okay, round two pick. Um, I just think older movies tend to get like more well-reviewed like even critics can look back on them and see like a lot more like appreciation for like the type of filmmaking and stuff that happened you know what i mean yeah and so i'm gonna go another og christmas movie give me white christmas oh interesting okay um i guess it's the new versus the old i've got to say elf who doesn't love elf that's got to be a good one too that was definitely on my short list um let's see there are a few that i'm like really nervous about because, like, I love them, or, like, I know mm-hmm. that people are nostalgic for them, but, like, I don't know if the Christmas, uh, if, like, the Rotten Tomatoes score would be that high. Okay. Um, so I'm trying to avoid, like, those go-tos, like... I understand, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if I want to name them, because I don't want to give you any ideas. Okay, okay. But they would be on your list, right? Like, A Christmas Story, or, like, t- that type of vibe. Uh-huh. But I'm going to go with my gut. This is a Christmas classic that I know and love, and I think it's a damn good movie, and I think critics see that too. Give me a Muppets Christmas Carol. Ooh, I think that is pretty highly regarded. People love that movie. 
I love that movie. It's definitely the best adaptation of A Christmas Carol, in my opinion. I think so, too. Michael Caine's performance does so much to elevate that. That's film. true. That's true. That's a really good pick. Um, it was probably going to be my next I pick, I think critics love the Muppets, right? Like, I mean, Most yeah. of their films are well-reviewed. Yeah, I mean, unless they're, like, bad. Like, and everyone knows the bad ones, right? Um, ooh. I think I've got to go with... Uh, do I need a Christmas Carol adaptation on my list? I don't know. I feel like they're hard, that's a hard gamble. Right, like, do you think, like, how good do you think the reviews for Scrooge are, right? Yeah, or, like, the weird uh, Robert Zemeckis Christmas Carol. Jimmy Carrey one? Right, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm not going to go with any of those. I'm instead going to go with... Hmm... What do we think? Is it okay? Can I do like a TV special? Sure. If not, I can go for a movie. Go ahead. We can swap. But I wanted to say uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas. Yeah, take it. That's yours. Okay. I'm taking it. Like that's one of those Christmas specials that is like wholesome. Like people feel that in their core. Like the tiny little sad Christmas tree. Like you always see like some sort of Charlie Brown ornament at the Hallmark store or wherever you buy your ornaments, right? It's like ingrained in our culture. And like... How do you hate on Charlie Brown? I don't know if you're a critic that's done that. Like, mm. yeah, yeah. I mean, beloved characters, and like, it's kind of about like finding the spirit of Christmas, even if like you don't have all that much, right? Yeah. Um, so it's universal. Yeah, I love that. Okay, I'm gonna go with another classic, like cultural touchstone of like the whole question of like what is a Christmas movie. This is like a centerpiece, and I think critics love it, audiences love it. I'm taking Die Hard in okay. the fourth round. Okay. And if... I don't know. I don't want to open the can of worms of is it a Christmas movie or not. That debate's been done. I have my I opinion. think we settled it. It's, I it say is a it Christmas is a movie. Christmas movie. Yeah. I mean, there's like a Christmas girl that plays over the like final scene of he the says, film. He says, ho, 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 I have a machine Like, it's gun. all about It's an open season. Yeah. We don't, we don't need it anymore. Um, let's see. Now, what am I going to do? Oh, you know what? Tyler, you inspired me. Um... You were going with classic Christmas movies that, like, critics really have to love, I guess. And I think I'm going to go for uh, the the 40s A Miracle on 34th Street. Oh, that's a great pick. Yeah. Okay, for my last choice, I'm actually going to pick a movie that I haven't seen. What? But I've actually, like, heard a lot of really good things about, which is why it leads me to, like, wanting to put this on my list. Um, it's a recent addition to the Netflix library of Christmas movies. Okay. And this is the animated film Klaus, which I heard oh, is very good. I have heard really good things um, about And I Klaus. think, like, is one of those films that, like, would get good reviews. There are other, like, Christmas movies on Netflix that I think are of this vibe. Like, Christmas Chronicles, I've heard, is, like, a pretty decent, like, Santa-type story. Um, oh. That, what was the one with, like, I've the, seen the, the, Christmas the Toy Makers? Um, it was, all, like, Jingle Jangle or whatever it came out last oh, year. I saw that, I think too. That, like, those were, like, fine to me. They're fine. But I've heard good things about Klaus that, like, is in the in the realm of, like, a fun, like, heartfelt animated uh, story. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm just going to take it and I'm just going to hope for the best. I am with you. I think that it, I mean, I've only heard people say good things about it. So I think you're, you're in good company. Um, and for my final pick, you know what? I think, I think both of these films are highly regarded by critics. I already picked the first Home Alone as my first pick. I'm picking Home Alone 2 as my last pick. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. So now, please hold as we calculate our scores. No, that's, a, that's a great pick. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and tabulate mine. 
and I'll tabulate mine, and, and we'll, we'll be right see. back. And we're back. We've done some math. We've done some Googling. Uh, how do you want to do this, Tyler? Do you think we should go well, one movie at a time? Provide a score? little bit of reflection on like what you thought of your oh, score yeah. in general. Okay. Well, I, uh, should we do that like as we like talk about I each think so. movie? Okay. I think so. So, um, do you want to go first since you started? Yeah, sure. Um, my first pick was It's a Wonderful Life. Paid off phenomenally. It's a 93 on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Critics love this fucking movie. I love this fucking movie. Let's go. Angels get its wings. Interesting. I definitely remember, like, listening to a podcast or reading something, like, when the movie came out, like, audiences and critics didn't like it. Well, I think people, like, that was the era where, like, they're like, why do I want to feel, like, depressed and, like, like, existential around Christmas time? uh But I feel like now, like, especially around, like, current culture where, like, being in the holidays, like, can also feel, like, very overwhelming and stressful and, like, there's a lot of, like, angst that Mm -hmm. has to do with, like, trying to make, like, the holidays perfect and economic turmoil that still exists in our world today just as it did in the 1950s. Um, I think people go back to this one and see a lot more of, like, the reality of the human experience at Christmas uh, reflected back at them, but also, like, the joy of, like, what it means to, like, cherish a human life. Exactly. Um, For my first pick, I was kind of shocked to see Home Alone only has a 67% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's, like, honestly one of my favorite Christmas movies, and I get, like... Maybe critics aren't, like, a big fan of, like, the goofy slapstick. But, like, I think at its heart, it's, like, a lovely film. Yeah, I But, agree. I mean, it's still fresh. It feels low, yeah. for sure. Um, White Christmas, another old classic, paid off a little bit less for me. But, you know, I would have thought this was still in, like, the 80s or 90s. It's a 77. Oh, okay. It's a decent score. Um, and I get it. Like, also, movie musicals, and it's a very base of, like, the gender roles of the time. Mm-hmm. So, like, I get it. Um, but I like it. I think it's a fun one. It's not as, like like uh temporaneously universal as it's a wonderful life exactly. so i think that's kind of what the downfall of it was yes. uh next i have elf and i think it's coming in right where i thought it would be an 85 this makes sense to me uh it's a modern comedy so like obviously some people aren't gonna like it but like it's also a christmas classic yeah absolutely um and how can you turn down like will Ferrell's performances by the elf is like exactly probably one of the best ones of his career should have right? gotten an oscar nom um, a Muppets Christmas Carol came in strong, seventy five, solid, oh, only seventy five, solid score. I would have thought this would have been like, or like low eighties, but I'm like not mad about it at seventy five. Like Muppets, like I get it, it's a Muppet movie, so it's not gonna go for like critical acclaim. I should have if it was a uh, on the Ryan Tomato score. It's a it's in the nineties. It's a perfect hundred. <laughs> it's a perfect hundred for me, but that's just me. Okay. Uh, next, my pick, uh, another, like, childhood classic, A Charlie Brown Christmas. I was surprised to see it's only at an 85. I thought this was going to be at least, like, Oh, that's still 90s. a really solid score, though. It is a solid score, but I was surprised that it yeah. has its naysayers. Who's poo-pooing Charlie Brown? Yeah, I know. What the fuck? Who are um, you, 15% of critics? My fourth pick, uh, came in. This is actually the worst score on my list, Die Hard, at only at a 72. Ooh. Which isn't that bad. Um, it's not. It's so I'm sorry, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think that's a decent score for Die Hard. Like, okay, Christmas action movie. Like, uh-huh. yeah, sure. Bruce Willis is great. It's like iconic, but I get that it's not like in the 80s or 90s. You know. Yes. Um. Well, my next pick was in the 90s. My highest pick. I your strategy worked, Tyler. Picking an oldie that people love, A Miracle on 34th Street. So it's at 96%. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, that's the highest one of the game so far. That's the highest one on my list. So yeah. it's the highest one of the game, period. <laughs> well, because it's higher oh, than your mine is what I'm saying. Is your last yeah. one higher? 
No. Okay. There we go. That's the best Christmas but movie. But it's close. According to the critics. Klaus came in clutch. My fifth round pick. Uh-huh. Who would have thought locked in as the highest score on my list at a 95. Wow. Let's go fucking Klaus. I gotta watch Klaus. I know. I guess we gotta watch it. I feel bad. I feel bad out, putting it on like my list, but it's a 2019. 2017? Oh, bad. I thought it was like older. Yeah. Okay. And then I was also surprised to see Home Alone 2. I knew it was going to be lower than Home Alone. Like, it took me years to come around to this movie. But it's it's rotten, Tyler. Oh, God. It's at 35. Jeez, that's This movie low. is basically the same. I would have thought same, at least in the 50s. Right? This movie is like almost yeah, exactly the, the same. It's the Trump cameo. They tanked it. They came back in. <gasps> it's just like the midterms. They review bombed. <laughs> Trump <laughs> support. Yeah, exactly. It touches. Exactly. It's like anti-Midas. So, uh, what was your total, Tyler? I think you definitely beat me. Mine was 368. My total across all five of these films is a collective score of 412. Wow, you're not even in the same, uh, like, first digit as me. You have a higher first digit. Well, congratulations, Tyler. You have won this Thank you, thank you, thank you. Christmas you know what? And This is, like, a good, like, I would watch all five of these movies back-to-back. This is a fun list. Yeah. I mean, I would watch all five of my movies. What, you got, like, what, both Home Alones on there? Yeah. Elf? Yeah, that's a good time. Both Home Alones, Elf, Charlie Brown Christmas. Starting it with Home Alone and then ending with Home Alone 2 with the other three in the middle is such an <laughs> odd choice, but I love it. <laughs> Well, I mean, you can't. It's like Home Alone happened, then all these other great movies happened, and then Home Alone. It's like an Avengers thing. <laughs> well, I mean, like, if you watch Home Alone and then Home Alone 2 back to back, you're going to, like, get tired, like, halfway through Home yeah, Alone 2, and you're going to want to turn it Kevin off. Yeah, you get sick of Kevin McAllister, let's be honest. That's why he's that not in the rest of the Home Alone movies. <laughs> That's why I've only seen Home Alone 1 and 2. <laughs> well, that was a lot of fun, Tyler, and uh, I had a lot of fun in today's podcast. Me too. But before we sign off, Ryan, we do have to ask the questions that we always do at the end of every episode, which is which trailer that we talked about today was your favorite and which movie that we discussed today are you most excited to see? Ready? Go. Uh, my favorite trailer, um, I think I think my favorite trailer is actually Violent Night. Like going into it, like at this point in my life, this is my favorite trailer of these four. If you would ask me like maybe two weeks ago, I would have said the menu. If you would have asked me like three days ago, I would have said bones and all. Um, it's definitely not glass onion. Unfortunately, I think it has the weakest trailer of the four, but right now I'm in the Christmas mood. Violet night is my favorite trailer, but just because it doesn't have the best trailer, doesn't mean it's not my favorite movie or the moment I'm most excited for. Meaning glass onion is what I'm most excited for here. I mean, how could it not be? So I'm going violent night, best trailer, uh, glass onion, most excited for. Those are good picks. I think the movie I'm most excited for is also Glass Onion. Um, I'm just can't wait to see what Ryan Johnson does with the sequel, um, adding more uh, history and uh, lore behind the Benoit Blanc detective situation. Uh, we didn't really mention what we talked about the trailer, but I think Daniel Craig's performance as this detective is like one of the coolest things he's done with his career. So, so fun. So excited for more of that um, Kentucky Fried accent. Um, but the trailer that I like best is actually Bones and All. Mm. I love just like the vibe, like the layering of like really elegant cinematography, really elegant music, fun, like romantic shots between Taylor Russell and Timothy Chalamet. And then it's like, oh, Mark Rylance is like hacking at a piece of like someone's hand. Yeah. Like just the layering of all these different genre elements. I thought created like a really cool like tapestry mosaic of like lots of different vibes of of movies that i i appreciate and i'm excited to see like it feels like they're building like this very niche like indie like almost like art piece that i'm really excited to see yeah well um if you're excited to see more preview review you can follow us on instagram and twitter and uh follow tyler and i on letterbox that's right uh 
On Instagram and Twitter, we're at Preview Review, just like the title of this podcast. On Letterboxd, uh, you can find us by our names uh, or something like that. I mean, if you look us up, it, maybe it's linked in our uh, I don't somewhere. Know. You can, can find be. it. You can DM us on Instagram if you really want to find it. Um, but uh, for now, that's all we got. We love you. Happy Christmas. Happy Thanksgiving. Good night. Yes. Goodbye. And may Santa bless you all. Santa blesses people now? Mm. He's a priest. With hand grenades. Oof! Kaboom.